You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. In your Bibles, come with me in your Bibles. Actually, let's start in the book of Revel- uh, in the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, chapter two, verse ten. Genesis, chapter two, verse ten. The title of my message this morning is the Divine Ecosystem. The Divine Ecosystem. One of the things, if you study biology or study nature or horticulture, you will learn about a thing called ecosystem, and it, basically, an ecosystem is a system where everything works together to make that system work. And everything contributes, but everything also feeds off it. So everything, so, so, so beetles will eat the dung in an ecosystem, which sounds like, you know, I don't know what the beetles did wrong, but that's it. But, but in, the, in the system, what they then do, and the animals and the plant life and the nutrients and the soil and everything, everything thrives, in this ecosystem. One of, the, one of the things that you'll hear Jesus speaking about on a regular basis through the Gospels is he talks about the kingdom of God. He said, if I cast out demons uh, by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So you'll hear about this kingdom of God. And probably the easiest way to explain the kingdom of God is it's a divine ecosystem. It's a divine ecosystem. Let, let me just say this, that... When you are born again, you don't become part of a denomination. You actually become part of a kingdom. But when you are born again, when you, when, you, when you receive Christ into your life, you are born again into the kingdom of God and you literally enter a divine ecosystem. And please understand that man, going all the way back to the book of Genesis, has always tried to enslave that which belongs to God. We saw it predominantly or or very, very powerfully, potently with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, holding the children of Israel in bondage and slavery. But he wasn't the only one and he wasn't the first one. It goes all the way back to Nimrod. Nimrod uh, was a mighty hunter, not of animals, not of game, but of humans, of people that he might enslave. And, uh, and so a lot of religions want to enslave people that they make it look like you're getting closer to God, but really there's an enslavement. Whereas, whereas the kingdom is we want you born again. And we take responsibility at Awaken Church. We take responsibility for the great commission of discipling, of empowering, of developing, of releasing and all of that. But we understand that you belong to God. You don't belong to what you belong to God. And our job is to help you thrive in the divine ecosystem. Does that make sense? The divine ecosystem. So that's the title of my message this morning. So have a look, Genesis 2.10. Genesis 2.10 says this. It says, now a river went out of Eden to water the garden. So God set up a garden. The verse before says, now the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he created a tendon to keep it. So how many people know that if you're planting a garden, if you've got a landscape project going on and you're, you're putting a garden in, one of the first questions is irrigation. But that's one of the first questions, irrigation. But have a look at this. The Bible does not say, now a river flowed into Eden to water the garden. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. 
God's plan for you, for your life, is to be like a Garden of Eden in the world. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you'll notice as you come into Awaken Church, it's very, very different. Because we're not, we're not trying to control, we're not trying to manipulate, we're, not trying, to, we're trying to release, we're trying to empower, we're trying to get you. I got saved on a beach, I met Jesus on a beach. And one of the, one of the continual uh, commentaries we get, some of the negative Yelp reviews that we get, God bless them. Uh, Awake in church, they're all good looking. Everybody's healthy. They're all doing well. They're all like, they're all like, Pastor Matt and Pastor Vince are all married way out of their league. You know what that is? That's, that's, that's the Garden of Eden. That's, that's what it's meant. That's what your life should look like. Your life should look pretty good. So, so how, how does your life get watered? Watch this. The river doesn't flow into Eden. It flows out of Eden. There's got to, if you can create a flow out of your life, you'll be watered. The Bible says, give and it will be given. Press down, shake it together. The Bible says, the water, the generous gets larger and larger. The Bible says, there's, there's one who scatters and yet increases more. And there's one who withholds and yet it leads to poverty. The Bible says, he who waters will himself be watered. So there's a principle of God that doesn't operate in the world. The world is, is a place of lack. It's a place of struggle. We have, you know, World Economic Forum people who have, who have voted themselves the, the leaders and the benefactors of the world. And without God, they, they believe that prob, uh, solving the problems of the world, poverty, you know, inequality, injustice, all that kind of stuff is just to basically uh, eliminate the world population if they can. And so let, let me just tell you, it has, you know, notice that they don't volunteer to go first. We need to reduce the world's population. What? <laughs> no, no, I mean others. And uh, so straight away, you can always, always already see an evil agenda. And so, so, so a river flows out of Eden. The Bible says from there it parted. From there it parted and became four river heads. Four all the way through the scriptures is the number of the world. Whenever you see four, it's earth or world. Uh, the four directions, north, south, east, west. The Bible talks about the four winds, the four seasons, four is to do with the world. And the Bible says in the first one, the Pishon, skirted the land of Havilah where there was gold. Skirted the land of Havilah where there is gold. So God gave Adam a commission to go into all the world, fill the world, multiply, fill, subdue. And so Adam's like, okay, so I've got to, I've got to take what's here in the garden of Eden in paradise and I've got to fill the world. And God says, it's very easy, son. I've, I've got a river flowing out. Just follow the river. And the very, very first part, follow that, and you'll find that there's gold. Why is the gold there? The gold is there to resource the vision. The gold is there because God is saying, son, whatever it's going to cost, I've already put the gold. I've already put the provision in the soil for the vision. Now, here's the thing. After, this is Genesis 2, so this is obviously before Genesis 3, before the fall. Since the fall, since sin, since corruption, men recognized that there was gold in this land. And rather than take the gold to fund the mission of God, the assignment of God, they took it to, to make themselves gods. 
They, they took it to glorify themselves, to edify themselves. That's why we have a Pathfinders Marketplace Ministry because we understand that, that we are trying to uh, anoint the saints. We are trying to anoint, to empower, to equip, to appoint you to go out into the marketplace and compete with the wicked and compete with the ungodly and compete with the greedy and compete with the corrupt to bring in the resources to establish the kingdom. Somebody say amen. Amen. All right. So now jump with me to our text, Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter, uh, no, not Genesis. Gosh, Hebrews chapter 11. Where am I this morning? Hebrews chapter 11. The book of Hebrews. Anyone that doesn't think that God is into coffee? Hebrews. It's a really bad joke. That is a really bad joke. Hey, if you gave better, you'd get better jokes. That's just how, no, that's not true either. That's, a, that's another really bad joke. I heard that somewhere. That was really bad. <laughs> All right, Hebrews 11.6. Have a look at this one. Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith, it is extremely difficult. Oh, excuse me. But without faith, it's quite cumbersome. Without faith, it's somewhat hard. What does it say? Without faith, it is impossible. Not difficult, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must A, believe that he is, and B, this is the big one, believe that he is a, believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There's a lot of people that believe that God is but they don't believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Jesus says, behold, I am coming and my reward is with me. Well done, good and faithful. You are faithful. I will make you, God is a rewarding God. God is a rewarding God. Many of us, we come with a, with a sin, a guilt, a condemnation complex into the, into the presence of God. And absolutely sin separates us from God. But the great news, how many people know the gospel is meant to be good news? I, I used to always get perturbed when I'd see the street preachers on the streets going, you're going to burn in hell. And we'd be like, what are you doing? They're like preaching the gospel. Well, that's not the gospel. The gospel's good news. Like Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ, hung on a cross to take your sin and my sin to remove the veil, to remove all the disqualifications of our transgression so that you could walk in the blessings of God and experience the rewards of God. He that comes to God must A, believe that God is, and B, that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So and just in the few moments that I've got left, the, the, the way that you access the divine ecosystem is through faith. The way that you and I access the divine ecosystem is through faith because it was, it was the absence of faith that disqualified us. So let me explain that. Uh, Adam and Eve were dismissed from the garden. Why? Why were they dismissed from the garden? Disobedience. God said, of all the trees you can freely eat except that one, that tree belongs to me. Don't eat from that tree. That's my tree. A lot of people get really upset. A lot of people say, well, you know, if, if God knew everything, why would he put the tree in the garden? If God knows everything, 
why, why, it's, it's, like, it's like putting, a, it's like putting, don't touch the wet paint on, on a. <laughs> ah, you know, it's like. But, but God, God had to put the tree in the garden. He had to. Why do you have to? I'm explaining it. Because he, he, he said to Adam, I want you to have dominion. I want you to exercise authority. Where does Adam get his authority? From his father. How do you get authority from the father? Through submission. How can you have submission unless there's something that God says, you have all the trees, but this one belongs to me. And when you, when you obey, when you, when you tend, when you keep but don't eat from it, you're in submission. As you, a centurion said, Lord, my servant lies ill. Jesus says, I'll come to your house and heal him. He says, no, no, no. Like you, I too am a man under authority. I say to this one, go and he goes. To this one, come and he goes. All you need to do is, and Jesus marvels, said, not in all Israel have I seen great faith. So God was left the tree in the garden so that Adam and Eve would be under authority so that they would have authority. When Satan got them to take what did not belong to them but belonged to God, there was a violation and a transgression they lost and Satan now swooped in and picked up the keys to authority over the earth so because they disobeyed God's word they were excluded so you and I are included you and I break in you and I are come enter into God's divine ecosystem by faith. What is faith? The Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. When you hear the Word of God and begin, it'll put faith on the inside of you. And then as you respond to faith, you will begin to enter the kingdom of God. Can somebody say amen? Amen. All right, so now come with me. Two more quick verses and then I'll get into these points. Um, go down to verse 17. Verse 17 it says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Does it sound familiar? Of whom it was said, in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was even able to raise him up even from the dead, as it was figuratively, that's how he received him. Now the last verse, go to verse 23. In verse 23, it says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. They were not afraid of the king's command. So let me give you three quick thoughts. For point number one is test trust, the test trust phenomenon. In, in the kingdom of God, you and I will always vacillate between two postures. We'll always vacillate between two positions in the kingdom of God. You are either in a test or in a trust. You're either in a test or in a trust. And the only reason that God tests you is that He might trust you at a higher level. And then once God trusts you at a higher level, do not, do not uh, be surprised if all of a sudden you're back into a test. The, the journey from Egypt to the promised land was anywhere from an 11-day journey to maybe a 14-day journey if they were kind of taking longer breaks. But most Bible scholars say, you know, a steady walk with elderly and children, it's an 11-day journey from Egypt 
into Canaan, into the promised land. And yet 40 years later, they still hadn't entered. It wasn't about distance. It wasn't about geography. It wasn't about direction. It wasn't that, they, that God forgot to give them a compass. Something else was going on. The Bible says, and the Lord tested them in the wilderness these 40 years. That they, they were tested and they kept coming up short. See, they got out of Egypt by complaining. They thought because it, complaining got us out of, complaining will get us into. Complaining will get you out of doing the dishes. I've got four children. Complaining gets them out of packing the dishwasher. Complaining gets them out of making their bed. Complaining gets them out of stuff. But let me tell you, complaining ain't getting them into Jack. Complaining ain't getting them new outfits and new shoes. The, 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 the test was in, in Egypt, the sting of the whip on their back caused a complaint in their mouth that a compassionate God heard and says, I will move with compassion and deliver. However, the entrance into the promised land was promised long before you were slaves. I promised it to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that you were gonna enter this land and I need you to change your language to a language of faith. That's why 10 spies who said, we are not able, never enter, but the two spies Joshua and Caleb says what are you talking about their protection it is a test so God God is always testing you or not to not to disqualify you but to promote you so you're either in a test or in a trust um, the the word test in Hebrew is identical to the word tithe the tithe literally means tenth or test tenth or test and so God will put in your garden something that belongs to Him, but it's in your possession. It belongs to Him, but it's right there in your garden. And you have to tend to it. You have to keep it. He had to tend and keep. But can you recognize that it's God? That's the first test. It's the first test. So God is testing. The, the second one, the second one, this goes a little bit deeper. The second point of entering the kingdom is you need to understand there's a power principle in play that you become your offering. You become your offering. So one of the things that I've discovered is, is that the offering is actually a, a ref, becomes a prophetic reflection of me. Let, let me explain. In, in the Old Testament, they had to bring every week and then specific times on the year, on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, uh, at the time of Passover, they had to bring a lamb. And the Bible says this lamb had to be selected. I'm, I'm not sure if you've had the chance to, to go to Israel, but the, the area of Galilee is much more open and has a lot of uh, sheep grazing. But right near Bethlehem, right near Bethlehem is, uh, well, right near Jerusalem is Bethlehem. And Bethlehem is is just a few miles from the city. And so they designated Bethlehem of Judea as the place where they would have the sheep and the shepherds to, to uh, grow the sheep, look after the sheep, take care of the sheep, to bring them in for the sacrifices that would take place in the temple. That's why the angels appeared to the shepherds in Judea first. Uh, foolish people, people who 
either don't read their Bibles or just ignore what it says, will say, and the angels appeared to the shepherds because God came to the poor first. They were employed. How were they poor? They had a job. Anyway, people who don't read their Bibles say stupid things. And so the reason the angels appeared to the shepherds in Judea is because the shepherds in Bethlehem were producing, taking care of the flock, the lambs that were provided on a daily basis. They would come and select the best lambs and take them into Jerusalem to be slaughtered. And the angels appeared to say, hey, listen, all your toil, all your labor is now coming to a place of completion. Behold, there is a sign unto you. This day there has been born in Bethlehem in a stable. That's why Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem. Why? Because all the lambs for the sacrifice, for atonement, for offering were to be born in Bethlehem. And so, so they had to bring, they had to select the lamb. The lamb had to be one year old without blemish. It had to be perfect. And they had to bring it and then the high priest would take that lamb, whether it was Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, whether it was uh, the Passover or whether it was just the weekly sacrifices. And he would lean on the lamb and he would confess the sins of the people. And God would do an exchange the sins of Israel would be put onto the innocent lamb and its life would be shed as atonement because the wages of sin is death. But there was an exchange. The innocence and the perfection of the lamb would be put on to Israel. So in the book of Malachi, it says, God is rebuking the Israelites and he says, because you abhor and you disdain and you make a mockery of the offering. He says, you bring to me what is blind, what is lame, what is crippled. Don't you see the reason that you're blind, lame and crippled? The reason nothing is working is because you become the offering you bring. You become the offering you bring. Just before we moved from Sydney to San Diego, just before we moved, um, we were closing out our vision builders in, in Australia. And Leanne and I had $10,000 that, that, that uh, was coming in by check and, and we were gonna close out our vision builders, get on the plane and, and fly to the United States of America. But we're sitting in this beautiful vision builders dinner and I just thought, oh, even though we're about to go be missionaries in San Diego, I just felt like, oh man, I wanna, let's do it again. Let's, let's give another $10,000 even though we're going to be in America, let's give another $10,000 to Pastor Phil just to say thank you for the, their vision builders of 2005. But then they made this statement. They said, well, listen, if you still owe money from last year's vision builders, just rope it into the new one. So I wrote, you know, okay, well, we still owe 10 on the last, which was coming in any day. And then, you know, and I'll put another 10. So I put, you know, 20,000. So, you know, and then literally the next day, the, the money from one of my, my books that had sold, came in and so I went in, saw Glenn Henry, the accountant, and wrote the check, gave him $10,000, and I explained to him, I explained it to him. I explained, you know, this was the 10, you know, Pastor Phil said, hey, you know, the 10 from last year with the 10, just put it, and said, that's how it, and he's like, yep, completely understand. Well, that Sunday, that Sunday, Pastor Phil goes, hey, yeah, 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 hey, where, where's, the, where's the youth guy? 
where's the youth guy? I'm like, oh, it's Jürgen. Yeah, whatever. Get up here. And so I get up on the stage and he's, and he's, you know, and he punches you and he's punching me in the chest. Yeah, yeah this guy here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he's going to go and plant a church. Yeah, the guy's going to plant a church in San Diego. Yeah, this guy gave $20,000. $20,000. He, you know, fulfilled last year's 10000 given another twenty. And I, I wanted to correct him, but everyone stood and cheered. They're like, wow. And I thought, well... Far be it from me. I'll just, I'll just, you know, I'll just bask in the accolades. I'll receive the accolades, and then, and then after, then afterwards I'll go and explain it. I'll explain it. You know, I've got Glenn Henry. He already knows. So anyway, true story. So, so I, I pay the ten thousand. I pay the ten thousand, not the twenty. I pay the ten, because you know I paid the ten before. So then I pay the other ten before we get on the plane. So we get on the plane. I'm like, it's all, it's all good. Anyway, we have some land in Australia that we're trying to sell and it keeps falling out of escrow, keeps falling out of escrow. And Leanne, that pesky wife of mine. <laughs> now listen, when I married Leanne, I knew I was marrying Miss Wright, okay? I just didn't realize her first name was always. And so anyway, <laughs> she's like, oh, it's because, and I'm like, and I'm explaining, I'm like, Leanne, you're not good at math. I'm the math guy. <laughs> I said, but, and I'm, I'm writing it. I'm, let me get a pen. Let, let me show you. And she's like, I don't care. I don't care. She goes, you can make sense all day long. I just know when you were on the platform, he said 20. And I'm like, Leanne, would you listen? And I'm, tr I'm trying to explain it. We have this land that is costing us $4,800 a month in, in, and you can't rent out a land. Hey, do you want to pay us $4,800 a month to put your tent on it? And because uh, we were going to build on there, it was going to be beautiful. It was a one acre with ocean views. It was like, you know, but three times it was in escrow, three times. So we're hemorrhaging money. So I get down to literally, I have, I have about $12,000 left. And I'm like, I've got enough for three payments, if that. And then I don't know what, what we're going to do. So this one morning, I can't. So I just get up and I, and I, go for a prayer walk and, and I can still see it. I'm sitting on a park bench. San Diego gets this, this beautiful fog that comes in. It's a marine layer. And I'm sitting under a street lamp and it's maybe 4.30 in the morning. And there's just this beautiful silhouette and you could just see the, the, the moisture particles in the air. And I was so mad with God. I said, God, what's wrong with people? I said, here the three times was in escrow. How come people can't follow through on their commitments? Don't judge me. I'm just being vulnerable here. I'm trying to share with you. Literally, the words came out of my mouth, turned around and said, what did you say? And I'm like, oh, shoot. I turned around and went back, true story, I went back and said, babe, you were right, you were right. <laughs> so I wrote a check for $10,000, wrote a check for $10,000, sent it to Australia thinking, okay, well, there's only two left. I don't even know how we're going to make this month's. The very next day, we get a phone call from the, the woman who's no longer our contracted real estate agent. She says, hey, listen, I know I'm not your agent, but you, I'm not sure if you remember the very, very first buyer that had to pull out. 
Well, he had to pull out because his property, anyway, he just sold it, all cash offer. He wants to know, are you interested? I said, listen, if he is, it's, and he hasn't sold it, it's probably because you need to offer more. And so she said, what if he offers you $200,000 more? I said, let me pray about that. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> the very next day. The very next day. It's called a divine ecosystem. All right, last, I, I'm, I'm, I'm over time, I'm over time. I'm already, I'm already over time, what should I do? Who, who'll give me just two more minutes? Who'll give me two more minutes? Two, four, six, eight, 10, 12. That's more than enough, I don't need 12, I just wanted two. All right, okay. Number three, number three. The offering leaves your hand but never leaves your life. Whenever, whenever you give, the river, the river went out of Eden, but Eden didn't die in a drought. The river went out of Eden to water Eden. The Bible says God gives seed to the sower. The, 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 the seed, the giving, the, whatever leaves your hand never leaves your life. It never leaves your life because you're now part of an ecosystem. How many people here... We just read Romans 11, uh, Hebrews 11.23 about Moses was hidden for three months. Moses' mom, her name was Jochebed. The Bible says that Jochebed, when she saw that she could not hide him any longer, created a, an ark of bulrushes for Moses and she placed him in and she offered him to God. At that point, she was trusting God with the future of her, of her little boy. She, she, Moses left her hand, but did not leave her life because this little baby that she put into the Nile River was received by the daughter of Pharaoh named Moshe, which means drawn out because she drew him out, not realizing that she was under the Spirit of God prophesying that what was released from Jochebed, what she gave would go out, come, be pressed down, shaken together, running over, would return. She put a baby in a, she gave a baby as an offering to God, but a deliverer came back, pressed down, shaken together, running over to deliver mama, to deliver papa, to deliver brother Aaron, to deliver sister Miriam, to deliver an entire nation from 400 years of bondage and slavery. What leaves your hand never leaves your life. It just goes into your future where it multiplies and comes back to deliver you in a time that you need it. When we, started, when we started our church, when it was 2005, we started August 21, 2005. God spoke to me very, very clearly. And he says, you're to take 10% of everything that comes in and send it to the Dream Center up in LA. The Dream Center in LA. They do an incredible job of rescuing people off the street and gangbangers and drug addicts and, and rescuing young women who are trapped in prostitution and, and the adult film ministry. And, they, and they, they, they rescue these people. And it's incredible what they do. It's incredible. They have, they have a program for alcoholics and, and addictions and, and people who are in abject poverty sleeping in their cars. They bring them in and they help them 
break free of their, their addictions and qualify for loans and housing. It's just amazing what they do. And, and I felt, I felt we, were, we were sojourners in the land of the United States of America. And honor opens doors and we, we needed doors open. So I knew in this land of America, we wanted to be part of the answer, not part of the problem. We want to be part of the solution. And so God moved on my heart. And so the very, very first Sunday, we had three beautiful people give $1,000 each. And the entire offering on our very first Sunday was about $3,600. So I remember writing a check for, I think it was like $364.91. And I sent it off to the Dream Center up in LA. The next Sunday wasn't quite as good, but it was, it was around about $1,800. And so I wrote a check for $181.20 and sent it off to the Dream Center. We did that every week. After about three months, I got a phone call from pa Pastor Matthew Barnett, who's the, the, the pastor of the Dream Center. And he's like, man, I can't believe you. Well, you're, you're a church planner. You're sending us money. We ought to be sending you money. And I'm like, hey, this is just what God's told us to do. For five years, for five years, from 2005, 2010, every week. But God had so blessed us. We had, you know, we were given offices that we didn't have to pay any rent on. And we were able to give to a whole bunch of other missions. And, and then all of a sudden I put on a business manager. And, and I said to the business manager, hey, I'd really like to do A, B, and C. And my business manager said, oh, actually, well, we can't do that. I said, oh, why, why can't we do that? We don't have any money. I said, we don't. I said, well, just go into, I said, you know, I put a slush fund there, a hundred grand, right at the beginning when God was blessing us. And so that we didn't have zero, like a hundred was our zero. Because I, I like being smart with money. And, uh, and my business manager said, well, I've already spent that. In fact, uh, everything that's coming in this month is gonna pay for all the arrears that we're in last month. I said, we're in a month in arrears. She go, uh, the business manager said, yeah. I said, how long have we been in arrears? Oh, about eight months. I said, oh my gosh. I said, well, um, how much are we sending to the dream? Oh, I stopped that. When did you stop that? Nine months ago. You can't see a little correlation here. A river flowed out and was watering the garden. And you thought, man, we could use that river to flow back in. If you go to, if you go to the Middle East, if you go to Israel, did you know there are two seas in Israel? What are the two seas? Vince, can you remember? Sea of Galilee and the, and the Dead Sea. The Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. That's why he's pastor, Vince. He knows his stuff. Do you know the difference between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea? The Dead Sea is dead because it only has an inlet. The Sea of Galilee is full of life because it doesn't just have an inlet, it has an outflow. Because it has an outflow, it is full of life. The Dead Sea is dead. You can't fish. Nothing grows in there because it receives but doesn't give. So 2010, we have one of the, the worst experiences that any parent can ever have. At midnight, unable to, to sleep with the stress of our firstborn, 
Leanne says, oh my God, oh my God, look at this, look at this. She has her laptop, her laptop's open and she shows all the behaviors of our eldest son. And I said, oh my gosh, that's, that's him. You've diagnosed it. What, 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 what's, what, what website is that? She scrolls down and says, is your son a drug addict? We come to find out that our eldest son who had been bullied at school, being bullied and being beaten up every day is never a pleasant thing. After a while, you do anything to stop being bullied. And he figured out if you can't beat them. So he joined them and they made him their drug mule, but they knew to keep him as their drug mule, helping to deliver drugs. They needed to get him addicted. So they had this thing that came out of the Tijuana cartels called black tar heroin, cheaper than pot, cheaper than marijuana. But it's a black tar laced with opiates and you light it and you inhale it and it gives you a high, but it's so lethal in its addiction, you become addicted to one of the, the heaviest and most destructive drugs, heroin. We're trying to play in a church and now we've got a 16-year-old boy crippled with a heroin addiction. And I didn't know where we would send him. I didn't know what to do. We got him arrested. He ended up in juvie because his fingerprints matched some of those that were on breaking and entering because he didn't know how to pay for his addiction. We were going through hell. And then I remembered at the Dream Center, they have a program. And I called the Dream Center. And I said, listen, this is, and they said, send him up. Send him up straight away. They got him out of juvie early. He was able to come up to their program. And he did their program. And nine months later, it broke the back of the addiction. He came out of there free. Now watch this. When God spoke to me in 2005 and says 10%, you sent him, I had pastors at conferences tell me, dude, why are you sending every week? And I'm like, I, 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 I don't know. They were saying, it doesn't make sense. You, you could put on staff. You could buy equipment. You, you need upgraded sound equipment. Why are you sending? I'm like, I don't know. I just know that God's, it was leaving my hand, but it wasn't leaving my life. It was going into my future. It was going into my future. To a place where the devil had an assignment to take out my firstborn son. But because of obedience from 2005 and 2010, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Just, just grab a seat, I've got to land the plane. I'm way over time, I'm way over time. Just land the plane. Can we put a picture up, the, the first picture? This is my, my firstborn son. He got married last year. Actually, hang on, that's the second one. Put the other one up. This is my son, he got married last year. This is our daughter-in-law, Raquel. This is Jordan. That was 10 years ago. This is Jordan now. He's married to beautiful Raquel. She's one of our worship leaders. She's on staff at the church. And I remember just sharing this story. God, I had no idea when I was giving to the Dream Center from 2005 that in 2010 it would break the back and rescue my son from heroin addiction. And God said, that's not all I did. 
I said, what? He goes, that's not all I did. Put up the second picture. The second picture, that's my second son, Ash. This young lady is his wife, Aubrey. Her name's Aubrey Matesius, but it used to be Aubrey Barnett. When I was giving 10%, I had no idea that I would rescue my firstborn from addiction, but God would provide a bride for my secondborn from the same. Come on, somebody. It leaves your hand. It never leaves your life. It goes into your future. We're talking about a divine ecosystem. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Come on, let's give God a praise. I'm done, I'm finished. Come on, come on, let's give God a praise. Let's give God a praise. Come on, give Him a praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we bless you, we bless you. Come on, I want you to grab your card. I want you to grab your card. Let me tell you, we are not trying to get something from you, but God is trying to get something to you. God is trying to get something to you. Just stand with, with, with your card. I want to pray for miracles. I know there are people here, you need a miracle. You need a breakthrough. You need a miracle. You need a breakthrough. Pastor Matthew, so brilliantly around the, the book of miracles, talked about Jesus crossing the sea, going through a storm, because on the other side of that sea, in the land of the Gadarenes, was a man tormented and vexed by demons who would cut himself. And the Bible says night and day he would cry out. Night and day he would cry out. His cry was heard, but nobody came. His cry was heard, but nobody responded. The disciples would have said to Jesus, there's a storm brewing. Why are we crossing the sea? They were crossing the sea because there's a God in heaven who hears the cry. When Leanne gave birth to our third son, Tommy, it was, we were now living back in Sydney. There were 26 births that day. In the middle of the night, one of the babies is crying down in the nursery. And Leanne, who had some stitches from giving birth, is holding the rail, but she's walking. And nurses grabbed her and said, ma'am, ma'am, you need to get back to bed. Ma'am, you need to get back to bed. She says, no, no, that's my baby crying. They said, ma'am, there are 26 babies. We'll take care of it. She says, it's not, it's my baby. They said, you don't know. And she said, it's my son. I know it's my son. Three nurses tried to get her to go back to, they're calling the doctor. She didn't care. She made it all the way into the nursery. 26, 25 were lying there. The one that was crying, Tommy Matesius. She knew from the other side of the ward the cry of her baby. When this man was cutting himself and crying out to God, Yeshua, Jesus, heard the cry of his broken boy. The God that you serve is a God who hears your cry. He sees your struggle. He your pain and he comes to deliver he comes to deliver in a moment pastor Matt's going to give you an opportunity if you're not born again if you haven't surrendered to Jesus friend today is your day if you've never asked Christ to come into your heart today is your day if you're not fully surrendered today is your day if you've never entered into 
the divine ecosystem. If you've never trusted God, today is your day. Grab that card. Let God put a number on there. Jump into the divine. See God's provision. See God's protection. See God's blessing. Father, I thank you for every hand lifted, every heart open today. Father, move across hearts, move across lives. I thank you for an outbreak of miracles. I thank you, Father God, that as, as we create a river that flows out of our life, we ourselves become watered. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.